minutes before we actually uh, read the text, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. Uh, this past year at our annual meeting, many of you were here, we introduced four values that we cherish here at Wenatchee First Assembly. You might remember two years ago, we introduced a brand new vision. Now, what is a vision? A vision is a purpose. Why do we exist? Well, basically, all churches exist for the same reason. We've been given the Great Commission, but we all kind of phrase it to fit our culture. And our purpose, our vision here at the church is inspiring lifelong relationships with Jesus. That's our purpose. And I could preach a whole sermon on that. I won't, but we inspire people. We don't just motivate them. We inspire them. It's the same word that when God breathed breath into the body of Adam. That is the same root word as inspire. So we want the Holy Spirit, actually, to inspire lifelong relationships Man, I don't want people just to serve God for a moment or for a few years till their prayers don't get answered and then they get discouraged or a pastor disappoints them or somebody misspends their money or whatever. There's a lot of Christians who serve God as long as things are going well. But we want Christians whose roots are so deep in the things of God, the nature of God, that no matter what, they will walk through the valley and say, I will choose to serve you. We want to inspire lifelong relationships with Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I know some people say, well, there's all sorts of higher powers. There's this, you know, people find strength in, in believing in a supernatural. Well, when Wenatchee First Assembly believes that it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. So our purpose is to inspire lifelong relationships with Jesus. And we do that in a lot of different ways. Man, I was thinking, they change. The way that we... The strategies we use now aren't the same strategies we used in the 1990s or the 1980s. You know, for a lot of years, we really focused on parenting. So we did growing kids God's way. Man, for years, that was kind of an emphasis. Uh, we did a, a marriage seminar called Fighting Fair with Dr. Norm Stickle. Some of you were in that uh, study. We've done mission trips and will continue to. In fact, in 2022, we're planning to go back to Dominican Republic in June of 2022 for a medical missions trip. Um, we've done mega sports camp. Pastor Allen has a vacation Bible school planned for this coming Sunday. We've been involved in Royal Family Kids Camp. Those things are the tools we use, the strategies. But today I want to talk about the values what do we value? We know what our purpose is. Our strategies change. But what do we value? What keeps us rooted? Well, we have, as you know, four fundamental truths. Salvation, healing, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the second coming of Christ. Those are our four doctrinal truths. But values are more of a value, a principle, 
a quality of so much worth that all of our strategies need to come out of our values. And so today I want to talk about the first value. We introduced this at the business meeting. We've done some little things on Facebook. Some of you might be uh, uh, somewhat um, acquainted with these. And I'm not going to do four weeks in a row, but in the next three or four months, we'll cover all four of them. Our first value is that of authentic community. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The first foundational value. We want authentic community. Not just community, but authentic community. So often people have a totally unrealistic um, idea of what a Christian community is going to look like. I mean, it's almost unrealistic. They say, oh, well, if everyone's a Christian, everybody's going to get along. It's going to be a nice, clean package of happy smiles. No one's going to have any problems. Well, that's unrealistic. You know, if you're thinking of a small group of religious perfectionists sitting in someone's living room or in an auditorium like this today, talking about God, impressing each other with our biblical knowledge, that's not authentic community. Authentic community is doing life together in the valleys, in the mud. Because authentic community is made up of people and we're all broken. We're all messy. Come on, we all have baggage. We all have agendas. We all want our way. It's messy. So if you're thinking of authentic community as like this perfection, man, that's a myth. Authentic community is messy because authentic community always involves people. And we are messy. <laughs> to some extent, you know what I'm saying about? We, we, we're people and, and we have broken areas of our life and we have baggage and we have our own agendas and we bring all that stuff with us. And if I'm messed up and you're messed up, our church is going to be messed up. You know, I, I, I love the, the little tagline that Awakened Church uses. God would rather have you messed up than not at all. I, that's so true. Whether it's anger that you deal with, whether it's greed, whether it's lust or gossip or relationships, or maybe you're lazy, maybe you're a sloth, <laughs> maybe you're jealous you're insecure, on the opposite end, you're prideful, you know it all. I, whatever it is, our lives are marked by sin. That's why we need a savior. That's why we need Jesus. <laughs> We're marked by sin. And in community with other believers, we find something that the world doesn't offer. In our brokenness, in our messiness, we find love, acceptance, and then forgiveness. When I first came 35 years ago, I spent the first two years building that foundation. Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. There's a book by Jerry Cook, who was a four-square pastor down in, in Oregon, and at the time, very popular, and I kind of built some foundational teaching on that, that very uh, fact that we need to love each other no matter what. We need to accept each other no matter what. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And then we need to forgive each other. That's where we find grace. Isn't that how God takes us? God takes us with all of our warts and all of our acne. And he says, let me love you. 
Let me give you life. Authentic community is important. As Pastor Allen said, it's not about just coming once a week and sitting here for an hour and 20 minutes. That is not authentic community. Oh, you can build relationships. Uh, you can be edified and encouraged and, and you can be strengthened, but that's not the value that we really hope in the next four or five years will become the standard of Wenatchee First Assembly. Oh, we're not there yet. Oh, there's a little pockets of it, but this is what really we want to strive for. You know, modern research validates what I'm saying. I just read a study by the University of North Carolina. 148 separate studies involving 300,000 people. So this is a pretty exhaustive. And the research revealed that the people who socialize regularly with their family and friends live an average of 3.7 years longer than people who are isolated and not connected. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Why is that? It's because God made us to live together. The reason he created us was for fellowship. He wants us to thirst for him and he thirsts for us. He wants us to live in relationship both vertically and horizontally, just like the cross. Community. A community is defined by Webster as fellowship, but it's more than that. I can go to a potluck and have fellowship but not really have authentic community. We share the same purpose to inspire lifelong relationship with, Christ, with Jesus. We share same attitudes, and it's the attitude of Christ Jesus. We share same interests. We share same goals. But the one thing that really holds authentic community together is the cross, the cross of Jesus, because that represents authentic community. And it's unfortunate in this day and age, the last couple of years, we've seen people who have left authentic community because the cross is no longer their focus. They're focused on other things. As a church, our focus must always be the cross, salvation, forgiveness, healing. In Acts 2, we see a, a really good um, example of authentic community. This is the early church. The church is just beginning. But there are some things in here that show what authentic community looks like. Now, our authentic community in 2021 in the United States of America is going to look different than this. Why is that? Because times have changed. Just like our methods of evangelism have changed. The church evangelized different in the 16 and 1700s. Then moving into the 20th century, boy, big tent meetings. Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, that was the way to evangelize. Here in Wenatchee, we brought in Mario Morello. You don't see that much anymore because that's not an effective tool in our culture. So the tools change, but see, the values don't. So we have a purpose. We've got values. The strategies is what's going to change. So don't look here and say, oh, well, this is how we should live. 
because it almost looks like a commune. Well, that just isn't what, the Bible's not talking about this is the exact way it should look, but it's talking about the value, okay? Let's read Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship, to the breaking of bread and a prayer. Teaching, fellowship, eating together. Now that could be a communal meal or perhaps it's actually talking about the Eucharist where Jesus took bread and said, this is my body. I choose to believe it really is both the breaking of bread to remember that the cross is the center of authentic community, but also the breaking of bread together and a prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The signs and wonders followed the authentic community. A lot of people get that backwards. They say, man, if I can see the signs and wonders, if I can see the miracles, then I'm going to believe. No, the authentic community leads to signs and wonders. Verse 44 says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued, every day they continued, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, last Sunday, I combined four points into three, remember? Well, this Sunday, I'm just going to be totally transparent and give you four points. I'm not going to try to trick you by combining two of them. So you only think, you have four points this morning. Number one, devotion. Devotion. Isn't that what it says here? Verse 42, they devoted themselves to spiritual and relational vitality. What are we devoted to at First Assembly? Is it spiritual vitality? Is it relational vitality? There's two kinds here, spiritual and relational. Again, the cross, teaching, prayer, miracles. That all has to do with spiritual devotion. The teaching, the prayer, the miracles. But on the other side, we see fellowship, the breaking of bread. Those are relational devotion. Remember years ago, we had dinners for eight. In fact, one of our current board members, Judy Maxey, headed that up for us. Dinners for eight. What a wonderful thing we did every month. Eight people joined together in someone's home just for fellowship. The context of community, of not just knowing God, but knowing others. There are people here today that don't know the people that sit behind them every single Sunday. And I don't say that as a, a criticism. I'm just trying to encourage you. Man, we need to form authentic community where you know the people that you worship with. And not just know them, but let the Lord Mill your hearts together so you care about them. 
whether or not you agree with them, whether or not they continue to come, whether or not they continue to, to do the things you think they should do. So often as Christians, we have this agenda. Oh, Lord, help us. You don't make friends with your neighbor just because you have an agenda that you want them to say the sinner's prayer. Well, sure, you want that person to come into relationship with Christ. Jesus said he didn't want anyone to perish, all to come. We know that. But if you're motivated by an agenda, it's the wrong motivation for building a relationship. That's a selfish motivation. Instead of caring for the person where they're at, what their needs are, whether they're atheists, Muslims, or Democrats. I know, I know it's hard, it's tough. I can just feel it here. We need to build relationships. And our lives are enriched by relationships and togetherness. I still have contact with Hemi. Some of you remember Hemi. He moved here from Indonesia. He did an internship through the Washington State University from Indonesia. And uh, it's probably six, seven years ago that he, he moved back to Indonesia. And we still have a contact together. And he tells me what's happening in Indonesia. And I tell him what's happening here. I haven't seen the guy for years. I am enriched because he sees things so totally different than Fox News or CNN. You know, really, living in Indonesia, he's got a whole different perspective. I find it very enriching. We can be enriched by those who are in the faith and those who are not in the faith. Think about that for a moment. Your life can be enriched by those in the faith and those who aren't. For those who are in the faith, man, so many are, are with you, you know, as long as you're doing what they want to do. But once you don't do what they want you to do, they leave. And I know that's influenced by this cancel culture. And boy, Christians are real good at cancel culture. But I remember 10 years ago that no one was supposed to go to Disneyland because we were upset. At, and no one was supposed to buy anything Procter & Gamble because somebody had interpreted their logo in a satanic way or something. Christians are known for cancel culture. It's not what authentic community is all about. You can have close friends with Catholics. I'm telling you. Our devotion to one another as people of faith must go deeper than our personal biblical interpretations, than our worship preferences, than our politics, the churches we attend. And that's also true of those outside the faith. How are we going to win people to the Lord who are outside the faith if we don't have authentic community with them? I want to share with you uh, a philosophy of evangelism just, uh, that was created uh, back in the early 5th century. You'll recognize this missionary's name. We just had a big uh, holiday to celebrate him, March 17th, St. Patrick. St. Patrick was a missionary in the 5th century. A guy who was a slave who was kidnapped from England by Celtic raiders. 
Ten years, St. Patrick was held captive, persecuted by these Celtic raiders. And all through that, his faith deepened in a loving God. And the more he loved God, the more he loved his captors. The more he loved God, the more he loved those Celtic raiders. And he was finally released. And guess what? He was led to return and live among the Celtic people. Think about that. He returned to Ireland. Not because he had happy, warm feelings about Ireland. But he had prayed. He had gotten so close to the Lord, he wanted them to know the Lord. He paid the price when he got back to Ireland to know the people, to minister to their needs, become locals. That's what he said. You need to become a local. I ask myself, how many of us are locals of our communities? Or are we so isolated from our communities, we don't know what's happening down at Pibus. We don't know what's happening in City Hall. We don't know what's happening in the Eastmont School District because we're just so consumed by our own little bubble. The Celtic way of evangelism that was really introduced by St. Patrick is, number one, you first establish community with people. And then you bring them into the fellowship of the community of faith. And within the fellowship, you engage in conversation, ministry, prayer, and worship. Think of it this way. So often in modern day American evangelism, we think we need to reach people. They need to believe like we believe, and then they belong. I think we've all probably fell into that mentality. Well, as soon as they believe the way we believe, then they belong to us. St. Patrick said, no, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. You allow people to belong so that they will believe. And once they believe, then they become. It's a different way of thinking, isn't it? Let people belong so that they can believe, so that they can become. That's really what an authentic community looks like when it says they devoted themselves. The second thing here, it says that they were, doesn't use the word, I'm going to use the word compassionate. It says they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. They gave to people who had need. We had a board meeting this past week. I am so proud of you, congregation, and the generosity and the faithfulness of God. Our income is actually up this first quarter of 2021 over what it was in 2020. Our income in March was up from what it was last March. And much of that money is money given for benevolence. Thank you. Right now, we have more money coming in for benevolence than we're giving out, but I have learned through the years that means the Lord's just preparing us because there's going to be needs in the future that we need to meet. But that's what compassion is. Man, over the years, I've learned, right or wrong, 
People rarely experience compassion when they're not engaged in community. If I say so-and-so is sick and it might not make it, those of you that know that person, your heart is tugged to a greater degree than those who don't know the person. Even though we might be some part of the same church. But see, there's an intrinsic giving and receiving side of compassion. And both sides are only present in authentic community. That's why in 2 Corinthians, it says, Praise be to God who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the same comfort that we've received from God. God comforts and helps us so that we can comfort and help others. This past week, uh, in our daily bread, the little devotional that we give out, there was a devotion on Thursday about, it was from Romans chapter 12 that says, we rejoice with those who rejoice, we mourn with those who mourn. And as I meant, throughout scriptures, we're called to treat one another with empathy. And again, that's difficult. That's why I use the word compassion. It's hard for me to know what someone's going through who has lost a spouse like Tony this morning. Man, my heart goes out to him, but I really don't know what he's feeling because I've not lost my spouse. You know what I'm saying? But we can have compassion. Jesus can have empathy. He feels every pain. He knows everything we're going through. That's what the Bible says. But when your life falls apart, you lose your job, you're in the hospital, whatever, compassion often comes from your community of friends. That's authentic community. In community with other followers of Jesus, we experience both sides of compassion, don't we? We receive from each other, we give to each other. I used this example about a month ago. Last fall, when we got our first stimulus check, one of our senior couples contacted me right away. They said, this is a wonderful blessing, but we really don't need it. Is there someone in the church that can't pay their rent? Because we want to use this stimulus check to pay their rent. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, that's what authentic community looks like. Meals taken to people. I just found out before service, the one of our senior couples took a meal over to, to Carolyn and Tony last night when they found out that Tanya had died. No one asked him to do it. It wasn't a planned thing where you get a call from someone that said, we're trying to organize meals. Nothing wrong with that. But I, it just thrills my heart. That's authentic community. When ministry happens without any systems, it just happens because of the compassion we have one for another. Devotion, compassion. Number three, frequency. Every day they continued to meet. Did you know one of the reasons that your three pastors last December really felt led that all of us should read the Bible together this year? One, one of the things was so that we would be more connected. See, every morning when I read the scriptures, I think, you know, 
There's probably 10 or 12 or 20 or 30 other people right now reading the same scripture. I know many of you are reading the same scriptures I do. It connects us. It, it, it makes us more authentic because we are reading the Bible together. Then we're coming together on Wednesdays and we're studying and we're saying, how does that apply to you? What did you hear from it? It's creating exactly that first value, authentic community. Now, I know the early church didn't get options the way that we do. You know, you could argue, well, the early church met every day because they had fewer options than we did. Well, that's probably true. They had fewer conveniences than we did too. You know, today, a lot of people say, well, I'll engage in community as long as another friend doesn't call me for dinner. Or, you know, I'll certainly be at that Bible study unless, you know, my favorite team gets in the playoffs. You know, maybe there are people that woke up this morning and said, you know, I would really like to go to church, but man, it's going to be 80 degrees. Let's head to the lake. You know, I, frequency is important. Frequency might mean that I'm inconvenienced, but I'm doing it for the community because we need you. You need us. Frequency means we're going to put community mindset above our individualistic mindset. That's why it's important, I think, that we think even reading through the Bible. There's more value right now that we are all reading the same scriptures every day than if 300 people were reading 300 different portions of scripture. Because we can talk about it. We have to do that. Reading through the journey, frequency, it's community. And I know that's so hard because we, we just like what we like. Our comfort zone, our styles, our rights, our individuality. But if we're looking through a biblical lens, it's not so much about us, it's about us. <laughs> not about me, it's about us. As a kid, I used to sing the little Sunday school song, and it's helped me keep things in perspective. Jesus, others, and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. You enjoying your heart? Jesus, and then others, and then you. But most of us, it's Jesus, and then us, and then others. Joyo, J-Y-O. <laughs> joy. J-O-Y, Jesus, others. That's why Philippians 2 says, in humility. Now listen, this is not the words of your pastor. This is the words of the Lord. Philippians 2, 3, in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help me. Help all of us. Do we really consider others more significant than we are? Everybody wants friends, but to really have this authentic community, we need frequency. Frequency increases intimacy. Here's how Hebrews 12 describes it. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Here it is. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10, 23 to 24. That's our homework today. 
this week. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. The fourth and final point is something we don't do. If we are devoted to one another, if we have frequency, if we have compassion, the Holy Spirit sends growth. This passage concludes with a very interesting statement, doesn't it? Verse 47, that B, the last half of it. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added. I was talking to Virgil a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, if I could turn the clock back 35 years, or if I could mentor someone coming up, a younger pastor, I would say, spend less time preparing for Sunday morning and more time praying for Sunday morning. I don't think the quality of a sermon would be really that much less if I prepared another or less an hour, but that hour in prayer, because it's the Holy Spirit that gives revelation. You're just hearing words. If anything's connected in your heart today, it's not because of me. It's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because the Father has prompted you. He's the one that brings growth. He is the one. This phrase fits this passage, but seems to have almost a different flavor because it's not up to us. I don't think it's an accident, though. When you look at the teachings of Jesus, he makes it very clear. If you have love and unity, there will be signs and wonders and growth. Listen to John chapter 13. We're almost done. Let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I've loved you, Love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see that you have love for each other. Jesus prayed it as recorded in John chapter 17. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. What's he saying? If we love one another, we'll have unity with one another. It'll convince our unbelieving friends to believe in Jesus. Steve Russert, our vice president of our church, was sharing with me recently that he's been reading uh, uh, Francis Schaeffer. And Francis Schaeffer puts this whole idea in a very unique way. Listen, he said... The observable love of Christians is the final apologetic. The observable love of Christians is the final apologetic. What does that mean? In a book called Community is Messy that I have used in my preparation today, it's by Heather Zempel. And here's what she says. Listen to this. Apologetics is a branch of theology concerned with the defense of the Christian faith. And we often think of it in terms of defending the history and the truthfulness of Scripture. But Schaefer makes a statement that moves apologetics from the cerebral to the practical. Schaefer states that we, the family of God, the body of Christ, the church, the community that we experience, 
should be the ultimate and final proof of God. At the end of the day, the definitive proof is the way we relate to one another. That is the final apologetic. That's why, friends, we are giving to you this first value, not just to memorize, not just to say, oh yeah, our, our church values authentic community, but I want you to think about how you, this week, can make a step toward increasing your commitment to authentic community by devotion, by compassion, by frequency, by growth. What areas can we improve in this year to make Wenatchee First Assembly more authentic? I've already shared one thing we're doing, and that's reading through the Bible together. Something we haven't announced yet is we're doing a, a church camp out. Man, it's been 25 years since we rented a bunch of RV spots and did a church camp out. We're going to do it this year. Not just because camping's fun. We're going to go to Ephrata. We'll play, you know, the putt-putt golf and all that. But the real reason is we want to promote authentic community. But what can you do this week? You've heard the prayer request. You've heard people who have lost loved ones, people who have loved ones that are in ICU. What could you do? Maybe you could look around this morning. Maybe there's someone that generally sits in front of you that hasn't been there for two weeks. Don't just assume the pastor knows that they're gone and is going to call on them this week. Maybe that's how you can be part of authentic community, by calling them and saying, you know, haven't seen you in church a couple weeks. And they might say, well, I've been there. I just sat on the other side of the auditorium. <laughs> that's happened to me occasionally. What can you do in frequency? Could you come on Wednesday night and be part of our journey? Not just read the Bible, but come for one hour and, and be part of that? Could that be part of it? Maybe you could join our prayer team. Maybe it's in compassion. I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to allow the Lord to show you how this week, this month, this year, you can make some practical steps in helping Wenatchee First Assembly create a culture and a value of authentic community. Lord, speak to our hearts as individuals. Continue to speak to the leadership of our church corporately. That our strategies might be rooted in this value that you've given us, that we've presented to our membership, that we're now presenting to our congregation. We want to be an authentic community with you. And we want to be in authentic community with one another. Realizing that doesn't mean that we're always going to agree because community is messy. But Lord, help us to be committed to one another 
and committed to the cross that as we are vertically connected to you, we can be horizontally connected to one another. You've loved us so that we can love others. You have forgiven us so that we can forgive others. You've given us grace so that we might give others grace. You provided for us finances and talents that we might provide for others finances and skills. Show us, Lord. It's not going to happen unless we make those efforts to do what you're asking us to do. Give us the boldness of your spirit, the help, Lord, to have a church that values not just getting together on Sunday, but doing life together as an authentic community. In Jesus' name I pray.